0: The following is a sports ethos presentation. This has been a sports ethos. Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin MBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Like the intro says so. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. join me today, regular guest all-around great guy also a basketball analyst also basketball career guru you can find him because he's called himself a basketball career development coach but i say guru it is what it is you can find him on twitter at two red earl his name's josh earl ladies and gentlemen josh how you doing bro i'm tired from a, a long father's day thing but uh doing well my friend glad man i'm glad definitely happy i mean good father's day for all happy father's day just in general just in general for all who who's, shout uh, <laughs> out to all
1: the good dads <laughs> there out you there. go yep you often don't get enough uh love and affection in in the general world but uh and there are some some bad dads out there but shout out to all the good dads mm-hmm. there it is that's that's it's gonna be all past
0: present and future salute that's what we say here um but we are here for part two. Uh, Two weeks back, a couple weeks back, I want to say, we, me and Josh went and did our NBA lottery team questions. 15 questions. 15 teams. Yeah, that's what we did. Um, 15 questions because we did one for a team that I think it was the Lakers, Pelicans one.
1: Yeah, we, we, we wanted to give the Lakers in. a question just because, you know, it's yeah. the Lakers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you can I, hear Corbin. Yeah. You can he, hear Corbin's yeah. heart break. Just, <laughs> Just again. Is we're you yeah, you, yeah.
0: you felt that it was real it was oh yeah 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 real. but yeah. that's where we're at <laughs> um but now with that being said we are going to recap um josh i'll have you read your questions i'll run through mine real quick um and then we can just kind of go into them as we as we go so i'll start actually you know what we'll do let's we're gonna take turns right yeah, yeah. so then i'll you want to start with your first question and what you can do is just read yeah, yours from then... 15 to 1 and we'll start with yours all or right. Just Actually, just start with one. What am I doing? I'm overthinking this.
1: Hakuna Matata, man. Let's there, just roll. See, I love it. Let's do it. Let's All start right. with
0: the number one question you got, Josh.
1: So the, the first question, just based on the – and I, I think this was a pre-Lotto order. Uh, so first question was like Houston Rockets. And uh, the question was, can they actually find a second foundational player to pair with Jalen Green at number three?
0: Yes, I, and I think well, it was about as far as the Rockets getting that second player. I, I actually put I, I think that I think they I think they're going to be okay. I think that foundationally wise, they have they're going to get one of the three top picks, yeah. right? Whether that is Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr., or Paolo Ban I like any of them. I think. As a foundational player, even if it's Chet, who I don't think would be the offensive tempo that Jabari or, or Paul, Paulo would, but I think defensively could be like a Rudy Gobert type of cornerstone, like Rudy Gobert was to down the bench, just hopefully a better version of that. Um, with that being said, I think that if they, whoever they get of those three would definitely benefit their rebuild. And I definitely would love Paulo Bancaro as, um, a potential fit alongside. Jalen Green but just yeah. as one who I
1: think is going to fall
0: that way and the player I like archetype
1: wise. Okay. Yeah, I mean it'd be interesting to have I don't think we've ever seen a young team rebuild where their two best playmakers are bigs. That's true. That would be interesting with Paolo and Shangoon. So and and let's be honest, KPJ and and Jalen Green aren't exactly uh playmakers. No. At, at and, least not right yet. Yeah.
0: No, and KPJ, extension eligible. They have, the Rockets have a decision to make yep. on him. Uh, you know, a bit of a, from what we at least know, a volatile personality and someone who's talented, but has had some bumps. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Rockets handle that entire situation. But yeah, I agree with you completely. It'd be definitely interesting to see Apollo Albert um, Sangoon kind of line up, especially given the immense defensive um, concerns at that end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, my, my question for the Rockets. Um, and this I throw it back to you, and it's funny. We were just referencing the recent trade the Rockets made with Christian Wood. We talked about this on the show a couple of days ago. Are we sure the Rockets are ready to move into the next phase of development? So with that, Josh, floor is yours.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they just traded Christian Wood. Uh I think in large part to clear more space for Shangun and for whomever they get with the third pick. Uh, not to mention Usman Garuba. Like I I think People forget that like he didn't really play, I think, any minutes for Houston last season it was mostly in the G League. But um like he's he's also somebody they want to develop and everything. So uh they still have Eric Gordon though. John Wall still hasn't like you know opted in, agreed to a buyout yet or anything. So there is still a few pieces where it doesn't really make sense for them to maintain those guys given where they are as an organization right now. So there's probably a couple more shoes to drop when it comes to Eric Gordon and John Wall, which probably be a trade and a buyout respectively, but we'll see what happens. I like it.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping, I mean, with both of those players, especially with Gordon, that the Rockets are able to move on from him because at this point, you know what he is. Another year older, yes, the vet line has been used and it's good, but he can still help a team. But as he gets older, like, come on, it's eventually going to depreciate a little bit there um, in terms of potential value as a player. But, yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think that also, yeah, I agree. That move kind of answered my own question, you know, figure more space for younger guys hence we are still rebuilding so yeah that takes that takes um that question off the board uh i guess we'll start with mine and go back to yours now for the second question this concerns the orlando magic and my question was who should orlando take number one
1: yeah and funnily enough i think that was my question too because uh, it's the uh, obvious question for orlando but um so i i think what's going to happen is that orlando which has a history of taking uh that front office likes longer players who have defensive uh acumen uh and usually don't care too much if they can shoot or not but they tend to like long athletic defenders um which would suggest jabari and chet um Chet has the ties to Jalen Suggs but I think at this point Orlando knows like hey shooting does matter and and Chet can shoot but Jabari can really shoot and I think they're probably gonna go with Jabari because he's a safer bet than Chet just based on some of the physical concerns even though I don't necessarily agree with those um So I imagine they're going to go with Jabari, but what I think they should do is actually Paolo. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the magic's big problem is they have no like NBA level shot creators for teammates on on the team. Like Fultz is solid. Suggs will get there eventually. Franz Wagner is a great complimentary guy in that regard. Cole Anthony's going to shoot it almost every time. Let's <laughs> be honest. He will give those shots. Uh, yeah, um, they don't really have somebody in the half court offense who can like consistently create looks for themselves and for teammates. And Jabari Smith, as good as he is, and as good as Chet is, and both of them would bring valuable things to the Orlando Magic. The only player in this top three conversation and potentially in this draft class, who can come in and be a half court shot creator for a team like the magic right away is Paolo.
0: I mean, that is true, especially from a half court, his his ability to create offense from scratch, um, shoot from the mid range, you know, gets the basket. I agree. I just still love Jabari. I know. (laughs) I think again, it's, it's weird because you're right. It's like, and I have had on, um, at this point, you know, Keandre from Hoop Intellect, um, actually had on, um, Dan Purcell, who worked in the front office of the New Orleans Pelicans. And we were talking about best player available for fit. I know we've had that conversation and we're going to have it in the future in a much more fleshed out version here, Josh, but you know, um, like in this case, if you take Jabari, I'm taking him because I am thinking about fit, but I also think he'd be the best player eventually. Even though right now, I don't know. I love it, just love his shooting mm-hmm. and his size and the fact that of the three, he is the best right now at defending on the perimeter. And I think yep. that helps with the Lando switch-heavy scheme. Um, with That being said, it's weird because you're right. Paolo can create from the mid-range in the half court better than, I think, in order of who can do it the best. It'd be Paolo, then Jabari, then Chet. And Jabari at this point, you know, the more dribbles, the, the worse the shot looks. And, you uh-huh. know, there's going to be said for that as well. So that is interesting. I'm, I I definitely i am seeing that too. I understand that. But it's hard to go with my Jabari love. But I, I can
1: also understand I, where you're coming from. I also hear you. Like, like personally, I would probably go with, like, Cheddar Jabari just because I, I think there's some funky things you could do with them. But if... And, and and this isn't uh a referendum on any of them. I don't particularly uh subscribe to the traditional like best player available because I think there's a lot of nuance and context in that that a lot Doesn't of people get... just pass over. Mm. Um but to me I always operate from you should go best player available for your team. Okay. So it's not fit. Because you don't just draft the best center on the board because you need a center. Because if the best center is the 25th best prospect and you have the number one pick, that's stupid. But (laughs) you have to factor in your own team context to determine what best actually means. And I, I feel like the biggest issue for the Magic, the thing that would elevate them the quickest, make them improve the most is having a consistent shot creator in the half court. And right now their quickest avenue to that, barring some free agent wanting to sign in Orlando, is going to be Paolo.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You made a good thorough breakdown of that. And I like the fact you said, like, yeah, best player available, but you have to take into a heavy consideration your team construct and how that player fits in. Um, Again, shouting something Dan Purcell also said, which is like, minutes like if you're gonna take this yep. guy like is there minutes for this guy to play <laughs> minutes for him to actually get that run and yeah you said it just
1: just as succinctly like uh, make what, sure you take them account it's it's the number one question you're supposed to answer as a player evaluator is how is this player going to get minutes on our team mm. like they might be great they might have nba level skills right away but if your coach isn't gonna put them in on the court that's not a great use of your pick, is it? No. So, like, you you have to factor in this context. A- and it's easy to say so-and-so might have a better chance of being an all-star down the line than another person. But, like, do they have a chance to become an all-star in your team's context? Because if they don't, then guess what? They're not the best player. Available. That, and that's, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That's the unfortunate reality of the situation at that point. Yeah. I like that though. But going to your question for the no Magic. Um,
1: this was the same, was question. The same
0: question. So yep. I guess we have the same answer. Yeah, so so let me throw uh-huh.
1: You said Jabari. Yeah. What What? What specifically about Jabari uh, <laughs> do you feel uh, makes him the number one pick for the Magic? Well, see, he did such a good job of like... <sighs> As I'm not win. trying to put you on the
0: spot or anything, man. It's all good. I, I appreciate it. No, no, I I, I understand. No, you did something about, like, explaining it out that now I feel – I still like Jabai, right? I still think Yeah, there's a lot to like. Yeah, at 6'10", with the shot, I, I mean, yeah, he takes a lot of tough shots, you know. But I can only imagine, you know, let's say he works on that part of his game. Let's say he gets more reps being able to be on ball, which is going to be interesting with an Atlanta Magic team that has a glut of guards, whether it's, you know, Jalen Suggs, Markel Foles, Cole Anthony. It's going to be a few. But right now, he can still get in a situation where he can thrive because there's going to be so much more space One, but also he has potential to now flourish in a role where, I mean, let's face it, beforehand you had guards who you know could penetrate could finish our auburn's guards weren't bad but now you have guys yeah orlando's offense was was bad in terms of open shots yes. but you had guys who definitely could get to the rim or try to get to yes, the rim yes. whether that was Cole anthony whether it was um Jalen Suggs, even though he had one of the worst offensive rookie seasons ever um whether that was um even a markel fultz in the midranger mm-hmm. getting to the basket so i think that having jabari is like a release valve being able to do what he does best catch and shoot not do a whole lot of thing and not to put the ball on the floor a whole lot and then maybe integrate him doing some more mm-hmm. whether well, it is initiating out the pick and roll which he did a horrible at, but like could potentially gain some reps on and maybe that is you know putting the, the ball on the floor a few times um outside of just a jab step you know two dribble pull up um into some more working with the ball kind of flashing out his handles almost like a jonathan isaac you know who did mm-hmm. kind of develop more of that in orlando so maybe There's some more, you know, give the Magic of a player of the same archetype physically or athletically, but also give him something that the other bigs before have not had. If you look back at the Magic's recent draft picks, you haven't had shooters, whether you've had a Jonathan Isaac or an Aaron Gordon. Like, okay, they can get to the basket, they can do this, but they cannot shoot. Well, now let's do Uh the reverse of that. Can we say, okay, now we have a bona fide shooter and now add the attributes of, okay, let's get you some reps dribbling. Let's see how you can uh-huh. work, you know, with uh, slight facilitating and growing that over time because he is a young prospect. That's what I'm more hopeful for. Um, And I think you have a ready-made thing that is going to fit. Like, Paulo's off, you know, needing the ball, you know, kind of from scratch creation. This is going to be a perfect fit for every team. Orlando, it could work, but I, th- I could also say it clashing because even though – the Orlando Magic offense has not been the best, and is not. It's been horrible. Like, it's not for lack of people who can shoot the ball or lack of people who can try to shoot the ball, lack of people who need the ball in their hands. That's it's, fair. Yeah, Jabari, you give it to, he doesn't need the ball in his hand. In fact,
1: he almost thrives better without it, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's another, uh, just quickly before we hop to the next question and the next team, there's another uh, interesting element of, like, draft theory in this regard, which is what if – Having the spacing that Jabari Smith provides helps a Markel Fultz, a Cole Anthony, or a Jalen Suggs move closer to being a half-court uh, shot creator in the NBA as well.
0: I mean, that'll be ideal, right? To be able to yeah. kind
1: of make so like, those flourish again. That's if you believe in that core. I yes, would imagine. exactly. Which is which is you know a different question. Always a different question. Oh, but, a different but kind the of idea quest. yeah. of You know, maybe the best player available for your team isn't necessarily the one who's going to plug the big hole you have. It's the one that's going to help a player you already have plug that hole, if that makes sense.
0: So, like, let's say by bringing in X player, he alone is not going to fill that need. But by
1: him being his very presence on the roster will unlock Well, player development already there or better opportunities for a player that's already there. Now, I don't I'm not saying that's the case with Orlando. I'd still lean Paolo for them, but that's an interesting thought. I think people need to consider more often when it comes to the draft is ultimately you're not collecting talent like playing cards, right? You're trying to build a team, a talented team. And sometimes the best way for you to have a drastic impact on the team is by putting a piece that's already on the team in better position for them to succeed. So you might not be getting the best player available quote unquote with your draft pick, but if that unlocks an extra like 10% uh, uh, um, on a player you already have, doesn't that have a similar impact on the team? And isn't that technically the goal to make the team better? Make a very just good a point.
0: thought. <laughs> See, this is why I like, again, this is the type of thinking again, that kind of unlocks just the, I want to say base level by my initial thought on it. Because you're right, I didn't even consider that. You're right, like what does X do to the development of other players? I always look at them as independent of themselves. But yeah. they do play together, and so you're right. How does one's presence integrate that? And I usually can think of it in terms of a, I just said, you know, draft a shooting guard, but you do have a shooting yep. guard. You know, look at when I when we get to Washington. Do you draft yeah. Washington a shooting guard with Bradley Beal not being there? Because Bradley Beal's going to be there, that guy better also be able to do some facilitating as well, or he's going to be resigned to being a backup shooting guard. That's where I've thought of it. We'll talk about that more when we get there, but I've yep. thought about it more in that lens. But you're right. There is a more holistic view about, you know, the very presence of a player and how that impacts the roster that is very important to consider. So I agree with that um but yeah that brings us now to question number three uh and i think you are rolling with yours first here josh yeah
1: the so with the detroit pistons after slipping out of the top three picks can the pistons secure a second foundational player to pair with cade cunningham in this draft at number five i'm not high on it personally josh um i think you know if the
0: pistons make a trade maybe um or maybe one of the three big three like you know, maybe someone gets lucky, some stroke of luck, and then you are able to say, wow, Paolo is here. You know, um, people were really in love with Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray. Or, you know, um, Jabari slips or something like that. Otherwise, no, especially if I'm looking at Ivy's out. I think Keegan Murray, Murray's the perfect, like, piece to play right now and fit in, contribute, but I don't look at him as, like, a guy like that. Ivy, I think, could be if he slips there, but also, it, again, and this is kind of something to what you were saying in effect the last question. Can he be a star alongside Cade? You know, yeah. especially when you still have Killing Hayes. Whether or not you feel highly of him or not, he is still there, um, presumably a part of their plans as well. Even though he's had two rather underwhelming years, in my opinion. So, I don't see that. Maybe they make a trade and bring another guy in, and then you could say through the draft we got a foundational <laughs> piece. But I don't see a, a player that like changes their fortunes just demonstrably um, at number five if everything breaks out as we
1: see it. Yeah, I do wonder if this might be a spot where uh, and obviously they're only taking one pick behind sacramento but we know sacramento <laughs> wants uh some veteran help would sacramento perhaps be interested in jeremy grant in the 5th pick for the 4th pick and you know what's needed salary wise to make that work mm. it's i mean and even then and even then, would and you, even uh-huh. then like you you'd you, You'd probably, depending on if Sam Presti throws a wrench in everything by taking Ivy, for instance, which there have been some smoke screens out there. Um, I, I think at the very least you could get Ivy in that situation who could be very interesting next decade, but it, they're kind of in an odd spot and, and uh, they have the the cap space this off season to maybe get somebody who can help, but I I don't think at five they're likely to get somebody who can be a a, a second foundational piece to to Cade in this draft class at least. I agree. It, it just it's it's where they are. I mean a
0: trade a trade of more than likely Jeremy Grant. I'm sure we get you something. Um, if we can get you closer to that, then yeah. And even then, you're right. See where the chips fall and kind of go from there but I'm with you just on its face not likely and I think that that goes to mind which is can the Pistons find that is a little more general so maybe a, not really a foundational please but can they find that second shot creator because Cade cannot be the end be-all Sadiq mm-hmm. Bey is not he's more of a play finisher uh we already mentioned Killian Hayes Jeremy Grant kind of fit that need but more than likely he's presumably out the door so like do you think the Pistons can find that second shot creator um in this draft
1: so there's only two kind of routes to that, I think, that are relatively possible. And that's if somehow Jaden Ivey winds up available at five or the Pistons swing for Shaden and Sharp and hopefully Shaden develops into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a little more risk averse than most, so I'm probably not that. Throwing, you know, uh, uh, a fifth pick at at Shaden Sharp when he hasn't played a single minute of college ball, and the last we saw of him was, you know, uh, travel ball uh, stuff, I'd probably be too uncomfortable with that to to do that myself but that might be something that Troy Weaver is open to and it's very possible that Troy has a better feel for for Sharp than either of us do and maybe he believes that Sharp can be that kind of wing uh, who can compliment Cade Uh, in which case I'd imagine one of them will be there at pick five Uh, and so there is a possibility but I feel like it's not a particularly strong possibility uh, that they can find that second shot creator through the draft, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, guys I'm into, even in the draft, like a Benedict Mathurin or a Johnny Davis, like those guys mm-hmm. are nice, but like maybe profile either Johnny Davis more of a role player. I think if he is taking those types of tough minutes, he was in college, you are not gonna be a very great team um and then bending Matherin is someone who i think can become that guy but isn't that guy right now so i would agree with you there yeah probably not um they find a piece that can just kind of be another cog whether you know to continue moving or if they trade that and get another player who is more immediate value um at that spot by all means but i don't think they're gonna find that end-all be-all kind of solve to their shot creation needs at number five yeah um and that leads us to number which uh fourth question, yeah, which is uh for OKC. I'm I'm throwing this to you. Um how much longer is this Thunder rebuild, Josh?
1: Well, Sam Presti has got a lot of job security, and Sam Presti is also not a um impatient dude. <laughs> so uh honestly they could probably drag this out for a few more seasons if they want to. Um, I, I I think this pick at number two can be pretty big for helping them kind of more more solidify a potential core around Shea and maybe Giddy and and whomever they take it to and get a better sense of like okay this is what we look like uh, this is how we're going forward. Um, but I I don't think Sam is going to be pressing to to like necessarily get back to the playoffs right away. I, I think Sam wants to hit multiple home runs. And and I think he's very comfortable with remaining with high draft picks to do so <laughs> for the next couple of years. So I, I wouldn't hold my breath. I'm
0: more or less with you, um even though I was more hopeful I guess when the draft was coming like, oh Get that, you know, temple star, great, like here we go. Let's let's start let's start the future is now. Um but no the future is later. Um I think <laughs> that you're right, like looking at um the way they've continued to kinda of look forward, yeah, even if they get that guy, let's say it is Chet at two, you know? Um and then they get, you know, a bigger guy with their twelfth pick, let's say Jalen Dern or the are generally in the looks like he's Jack early, but Mark Williams is another center mm-hmm. to play alongside more shooter or whatever the case may be. Even now, now you have something of a start there between your number two pick, your number 12 pick, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, but still need to find out what's coming off the bench. You know, that fifth spot on the squad, mm-hmm. um, you know, bringing more um, concepts in terms of helping this. But we haven't seen a lot of off-ball action for, for uh, Shea Alexander. We haven't seen a lot in terms of diversifying their offense, because why like, they they've been very simplistic, and you know? one could say for a reason their team building development process. But mm-hmm. I thought, okay, at least another year, maybe it's another two. You know, I hear a lot of buzz already for Victor Webiniana, um, which I had not even heard of mm-hmm. until the past. Oh yeah, weeks. he's
1: he's he's very highly thought of, and, uh, um, yeah, I'm here. I'm hearing the about the, this. the Thunder can can very easily, you know uh with as many first round future firsts that they have, like they, they could have the ability to position themselves in, in a way to hopefully get some good odds at getting another top pick. And hopefully securing somebody like him alongside maybe somebody like Chet, that would make for a really interesting front court. Especially if they also started Poku, just like a bunch of really like Random light, points. tall, lanky dudes uh, who could do a lot of stuff. That'd be interesting. It definitely would be uh, something to follow. I don't know if that makes you necessarily, you know, a, a, a contender anytime soon, but uh yeah that would be interesting yeah (laughs) that i mean uh,
0: listen i can't wait to dive into him because i see it's apparently seven two game breaker but oh yeah people love him that's wow that's gonna be a fun draft to break into at a later point um but going on from there uh let's get to your question for the thunder josh
1: yeah so since I think their rebuild's going to take a while longer, can they start to at least solidify an identity?
0: Great question. Of course, is a great question.
1: That's and they have two firsts now because they they made uh, weren't they part of a trade that that uh... Uh,
0: they just did one with Denver.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they no longer have the thirtieth pick, but they, they they have the the second and the twelfth still. Plus, yes, the 12th. I think a couple of seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think maybe they the thirty pushed... fourth. Yeah, pick, I, think, I think,
0: actually, I feel like they pushed one. Let me check just to be
1: sure. Yeah, um, they did, They did. I think, post yeah, so they one. Yeah, so Denver yeah, yeah. Nuggets are trading.
0: They traded Jermichael Green to protect the 2027 first-rounder for mm-hmm. the 30th pick. So, yeah, 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 the Thunders still have number two, number 12, and number 34. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. now the Nuggets have an additional.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah, I'm really interested to see, because they have uh, Shea, they have Giddy. Mm-hmm how do they further like they have these two kind of funky uh ball handlers who don't operate like typical ball handlers they're both taller as well and they have like different cadences and in in their uh drives and everything i'm curious to see what they do at 2 and 12 and if that starts to kind of move the clouds out of the sky and you get a, a clearer picture of like, Oh, that's what OKC trying to be.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. I don't even know. I imagine whoever you get around with this number two pick, um, you're hopefully beginning to lay the foundation of what you want your team yep. to be around. Um, Shay's is obviously one of those pieces, but not the piece. And if you do get a chat maybe you are realizing, okay, you know, we're going to build around him and Shay and Josh and kind of have a guy who can rebound and, you know, take the ball off the, off the boards and bring it up and, you know, diversify some elements of his game alongside those other two. Um, if it's Apollo Bankero. Are you making him be the, the hub post offense of your team? Surround with maybe spot shooters and defenders to make up for his weakness on that end. If it's Jabari Smith Jr., are you bringing in another guy, um, to kind of be the, the, the big man in that spot to have, um, Jabari stretch out with your two guards running, pick and roll, pick and pop? You know, like, I think you're right. However they get with this number two pick and the picks after this, hopefully you begin to establish that direction, um, of identity with that Mm -hmm. number two pick. So I definitely agree with you. It's the next best thing to one. And, you know, this is, uh, I think if you get one of these two guys for certain, uh, if you feel strongly about them, they can chart the course of at least where you want to build this phase around. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, Well, I think that links is number five. We're going at a nice brisk pace here. I like this. Uh, We're moving. Let's
1: do it. Yes, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Number five, I think that's you, Josh. Uh, Yeah. So with the pacers, We know that uh, historically they haven't really been fond of rebuilding. Um, And so my question is, how long does this front office actually have to enact a rebuild before the front office itself is rebuilt? That is very
0: interesting. I would imagine being that this just started, that this will be the year that the rebuild has just officially started, that they get to. You know, this year, possibly next, if they decide that a full rebuild is where they chart. You know, keeping an eye on obviously mm-hmm. on Miles Turner, um, and seeing whether you want him to be the 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 next um, well, not the tentpole of this, but just the foundational piece to continue from the last rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know, the last iteration. You know, if you look, consider Victor Oladipo and those guys around them, one era post Paul George. Yep. Then now, do you consider this new era with Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte? Do you consider um miles turner are still a part of that are you trading him and really starting with whatever assets you recoup from that whether it's young players or picks whatever the case may be um or is this just one of those like are you gonna try to do the like, Golden say warriors just a much less successful version where you are not expecting to mm-hmm. contend but almost like hey we're a contending team we just had a bad year stanked by injuries and this is why we're in the lottery but don't worry we're gonna be right back where we were now we just have a lottery talent in tow so mm-hmm. that's gonna be interesting and um not really sure, I think they answer to the question that you said that yeah, you probably have, in my opinion, um at least through the next year to kind of see things through, if indeed a rebuild is the direction they chart
1: yeah i I would agree that they have this upcoming season and maybe uh maybe an off season before you know that that front office might be on a hot seat. Like, oh, well, you know, I gave you essentially two seasons to get us rebuilt younger, cheaper, and back to the playoffs, so I I have the feeling if they aren't at least competitive next year Mm -hmm. we might see some shake up in the front office
0: that would make sense
1: and also like let's let's be real i mean the pacers haven't been in this
0: situation since the late 80s you know they are not used to being a rebuilding team you know whether they're a contending team or part of the mix seven or eight you know that's where they end up even if they're worse you know it's like 10 or 11 they're not ever at the true bottom so a doubt management who's been the same for the last 25, 30 years is all of a sudden going to do an about face. So, yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. Um, And then what's interesting for me, my question is more position specific, but I look at the Pacers, I see, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, I see Chris Duarte, obviously for the moment, Miles Turner, uh, whatever happens with TJ Warren bringing him back or whatever happens there. But what is the plan at
1: power forward for the Blazers? For the Pacers? Yeah. Huh? Thank you. <laughs>
0: I, this is what I said. i we getting tired? Well, My to be fair, if, you, if you
1: think about it, if you think about it, like mm-hmm. uh, a pacing car is is also blazing down that down the path, right? It's blazing like, the path. I love you, it. See like yes, sir. We yes, and here we yes, this. and here. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so I doubt they bring TJ Warren back because he's played like four games or something over the last two years. Um, Sound he, like was that, great, yeah. he was great in the bubble but like a two year absence is going to be tough especially like giving somebody a contract like a, a probably multi if, if his agent is doing their job he's getting a multi year contract from somebody. Mm-hmm. You probably don't feel comfortable with that. He doesn't fit the time frame anymore. Of a core of Halliburton, uh, Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Tyrell Terry, etc. Like he doesn't really fit that anymore, so I don't really think he's coming back. Um, the whole Jalen Smith thing is is its own conundrum, conundrum and. Like- Mm. there you go (laughs) Uh, so like i i could see him i I could see them trying to bring him back if they do move somebody like miles turner like let's say charlotte misses out on a sign and trade for deandre ayton they might pivot to somebody like miles turner um and, and if they were to do so then maybe indiana could get their power forward in pj washington in return um Otherwise, if they don't bring Smith back uh, and they can't get somebody like P.J. Washington or something, it's very possible that, you know, Taylor, who's a 6'5", technically guard, might be playing a fair amount of minutes in that power forward role for them. Not um, ideal. That screams rebuild to me, if that's the case. I, I will say he's an excellent finisher and role man and rebounder, so, like, mm-hmm. functionally... He can fill that power forward role for them, but uh, like you said, you'd probably want a little more there, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where, uh, where they go, they go with that from here. Yeah,
0: we're doing that. And I guess from there, well, now we can actually make the rightful move to the blazers. <laughs> and, you know, we've talked about them, me and you, Josh, for a minute now. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is kind of funny in DMs, just in general, because I've been very. Very low on the Blazers. Uh, so what? Event. Exactly. Low. <laughs> what are you talking
1: about? You're What's constantly
0: it? telling me how much you hate all the moves they make. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I, I lay no bones about it. I'm not I'm not a big yeah. fan of the way they've been operating. But you know, you've patience. You've given more of a expert kind of analysis on like, hey, this is what you need to chart. I'm still. I mean, obviously, still. Not, I'm still not going against the wall. Hence my question. Mm-hmm. But you've been like trying to get me to look at it a little differently. I do appreciate that. But with that being said. We enter the draft in in, in what? By the time people listen to this, one day's time, which is crazy. Seventh pick. Yep. Barry, any moves the Blazers make in the next couple of days here, right? hmm You have a Damian Lillard who right now, in all intentions is trying to retain. Anthony Simons restricted free agent. You have Nurkic, unrestricted free agent. You are somehow trying to retool with Josh Hart under contract as your running mate for Dame. Whoever you get in this draft, unless you decide to trade him, I, the, the question is, Josh, what is the plan for the Portland Trail Blazers?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily expect the Blazers to actually pick at seven. I'm thinking they're okay. probably trying okay. to beat that. There, there's, okay, we a got lot some of, there's a lot of discussion uh, nationally about, like, Jeremy Grant, but from what I understand, like – jeremy's a little too old and too expensive for them to feel comfortable with like the value of the seventh pick Mm -hmm. um but they are looking at players like a uh john collins or an og on a newbie um i honestly don't know like the john collins thing might be somewhat feasible in my mind. I don't think Toronto necessarily is willing to move OG yet. Um there has been some some smoke and there is some fire to OG kind of not appreciating his current role oh,
0: yeah. uh, okay. on,
1: on offense with the with the Raptors. But I, I don't think you move him now. I, I think you try in training camp and over the first half of the season to integrate him more into a slightly bigger role, see how that plays out. And you can always, you know, move him if that needs to happen at, you know, the trade deadline next year. So I think the Blazers are going to be looking to get some veteran talent for that seventh pick, somebody they think can be an impactful player. And I I'd expect they're, they're probably talking with Atlanta about John Collins. I don't know if that would go through, but, they do have the CJ McCollum uh traded player exception to absorb a large contract without necessarily having to send stuff back which per- could provide massive cap savings for a team like Atlanta plus the 7th pick um they also probably go hard at Deandre Ayton uh but the only way they can really do that is if the Suns agree to you know Josh Hart and either like Nasir Le- Little and other um, salary stuff, or Josh Hart and a signed and traded Nurkic. Um, so I don't think they have a clear avenue to Aiton necessarily, but but that that's kind of what they're looking for is, are kind of other big impactful veteran players who can hopefully help right away as opposed to a rookie coming in at the seventh pick and trying to, you know, make the Blazers a strong playoff team while Dame is still here, you know? Yeah,
0: no, I definitely see where you're coming from with that for sure. Um, I guess, I don't know. Do you think that there's maybe a, a John Collins in player, or someone of that ilk? Because Jeremy Grant,
1: man, I mean, and he's been hurt a lot, but the dude's not moving the needle for me. Is he doing that for you? I mean, I, I... – I like Jeremy Grant to an extent, but I can understand if the Blazers don't want to spend the seventh pick. And that, that was why they were so eager. Uh, They were hoping that other, that, that Pelicans pick would have, or or the Lakers pick that uh, they would have had based on certain protections. They were kind of hoping for that to come through because they were going to use that to trade for Jeremy Grant. Mm. Um, So, I, I think it's going to be very,
0: chess Had they done that,
1: yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what J- Joe Cronin and and the the Blazers' new front office do at the draft. Because I don't expect them to actually, you know, have uh, they'll they'll pick at seven because that's how trades work. The Hornets, everybody, the Hornets did not draft Kobe Bryant. They <laughs> used the thirteenth pick to draft. Uh, a player the Lakers told them to draft. That's how these work. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks did not draft Dirk Nowitzki and trade him. The Mavs told them in our pre-agreed deal, please draft Dirk Nowitzki with this pick. Um so I, the Blazers will make a selection at seven, assuming they don't reach a trade before then. Um, but I, I have to believe that the seventh pick is probably more fodder for them to get uh, a veteran who can hopefully help right now. Okay.
0: That makes sense. We'll see. I mean, you make more sense right now than what I've seen the Blazers do. But, hey, that—that's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where they go. We'll see where they go. We got a couple days to figure this out early this week. Um. But with that, we go to the Kings, Uh, and and I have one for you, and that is it's very much like the Blazers um, (laughs) and what in the world, but how will the Kings screw up yet another offseason? I say this (laughs) half-jokingly,
1: but also, question mark. Yeah. um, It's going to be interesting because with where they are, they really probably should just focus on nailing the fourth pick. But Monty McNair, uh, he's hes basically in a lame duck season coming up. Um, and if Monty wants to keep his job, he's, he's probably going to have to break that uh, playoff absence streak. So this is another pick that I think is going to be heavily shopped for veteran impact. Um, It's very possible they stay and they take, you know, who they think is the best player available, who also happens to play the exact same position as their last like three or four draft picks. Um, which isn't if you remember our discussion about how Orlando and draft philosophy should maybe work, that it's the best player for your team. Yes. You might, you might be thinking like, Oh, Kangs, Um, (laughs) and, and it's definitely a possibility. Um, it's also though uh, a distinct possibility that maybe somebody like Sam Presti, who who he's not afraid to to take somebody higher than expected. Uh everyone always kind of forgets because Russ has gone on to be an MVP and everything, that Russell Westbrook at the fourth pick was a huge reach. And hopefully you can hear the air quotes in my viewing air there. quote. Corbin can it, yeah, see the air I quotes. See him. But but uh he was a, considered a huge reach at that time. Um, so I don't think Sam's afraid to maybe take a Jade and Ivy and think like, Hey, we have a three, um, kind of ball handler perimeter with Shay, Ivy, Ivy, and Giddy. Um, and it's possible that one of the, you know, Jabari, Chet, Paolo become available to the Kings at four. Um, so it's it's possible they don't screw it up, um, but you know it's unfortunately it's the Kings. Like they they kind of have a history of doing this, oh, doing just that. Um, mm-hmm. That to give credit to their current staff and everything, uh, some of this is from previous regimes. It's hard to necessarily put that on them per se, but um, I, I don't know in a draft class where most people considered this to be a a clear top three. Uh, And and obviously a lot of people like Ivy too, but like, I don't know what kind of veteran talents are available for the fourth pick in this draft class, barring a surprise in the top three.
0: I feel you. I'm kind of in that same mind. I don't see, I mean, if they make a trade for a guy that's not going to work, I, I can see the Kings making a trade for a player that doesn't mesh well. Let's say you bring in another front court. Let's say you make a trade for, I don't know, Miles Turner. I'm mm-hmm. being ridiculous in saying that. but That a player would be who,
1: hilarious, by the way. <laughs> it really
0: would. It really would. But a player who obviously doesn't fit with DeMontis' balance, you trade what pick Four. Like, that is what I would be like, are we, are we being Kings? You know what I mean? Trade and pick for a player, yes, in the right situation, would be someone that normally be like, wow, like, yes, I like this, you know, I like this player, but I don't like him with the Kings playing alongside Demontis Bonus and Darren Fox. Like, let's say he's another non-defender who needs the ball in his hands to work. That's not going to work. Darren Fox needs the ball in his hands. Dematis Bonus put the ball in his hands. So just a little bit, not really, but as a hub, you know, high post passing guy, low post kick out, that sort of thing. You you want to have a player who makes sense there. So I could see the Kings, you know, releasing a valuable asset in their number four pick for a player doesn't fit right and just misevaluating. Zigging where they're zagging, Kangzing where they should be Kingsing. I don't know. That was a joke. I really hope the Kings front office is better than that because the Kings fans, man, I know so many on Twitter that really, really deserve it um uh, just good competent front office like leadership with the clear direction of the helm for how they want to oversee the rest of the franchise and try to break this playoff drought however we just haven't seen it we've just seen a continuation of what the kings have already done so i asked that question because do i really expect things to change now just randomly i'm not gonna lie to you no i don't <laughs> like nothing has changed in the in the in the front on the upstairs yeah. so why should i expect the results to change
1: yeah i i'm um... I'm kind of uh, – let me throw this out there. I, I I don't think this would actually necessarily make the Kings into a, a playoff lock in the West because the West is going to be hard uh, next year. But we know that they've had past interest in Kyle Kuzma and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. We know that, um, you know, Washington – Probably has no real shot at getting a, a starting uh guard to pair with Bradley Beal through free agency. Um what if Washington offered up a package of like KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford, and the tenth pick for the fourth pick? uh Mo harkless justin holiday alex lynn rashawn holmes and terrence davis
0: i would take it rashawn holmes i don't think has a place right now terrence davis has been nice but he's certainly not a lock on the wing same thing you say for Mo harkless um if you get both kcp and kuzma maybe you know you extend kuzma point is you have wing help in mm-hmm. a position of real need you both at the powerful fo- at the powerful and small four spot if you side kuzma to four and you side kcp who's really a two but he's played three up mm-hmm. there as well um i like that i do and at 10th you could get another guy whether that be a johnny davis uh uh ben matherin a uh, guy of oak shaya baggi, uh, baggi a player mm-hmm. of that ilk who would be your shooting guard you still have davion mitchell still have of course Sabonis. Mm-hmm. you still have Darren fox yeah I think that's... Look at you, Josh. I have to just cook well, it
1: up. like Again, I don't necessarily think this puts them firmly in the playoffs, but if you that's have De'Aaron chance. Fox, KCP, uh, Harrison Barnes, Kyle Kuzma, and DeMontis Sabonis as your main minutes, guys, that, I like that, you. that puts you closer to the playoffs, at least. Um, and you... you you would still be picking in the top 10. You can still get a top 10 talent Um, and Washington, assuming Ivy's available might then have somebody who can, you know, play with Bradley Beal and can also be another piece for your long-term, like post Bradley Beal and and uh, KP um, type team so absolutely that, that I might I might do that if I'm the kings I might talk to them again I don't think it's a guarantee that that gets you into the playoffs in the west next season but definitely makes you more competitive and uh you know you get some guys that you were already interested in in the first place
0: no I agree I think that it gives you a much more competitive roster at the onset to at least fight for that spot because now all of a sudden your roster makes more sense, you yeah. know? And if you again draft wisely at your selection, like now you have some of the 10th pick who I think it would potentially be just enough of a nudge considering, you know, that's your picking from a position of best player available. If you've already made a trade, that fills certain needs so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i wish the kings would do something like that we'll see again I, i'm i'm hopeful it's possible that they it's do. possible it's yes. possible
1: that the kings shock us all and the kings do amazing like they they, they <sighs> drafted halliburton a couple of years ago they did like, and like, we'll
0: just forget what happened after
1: well i mean yeah i'm being fine listen i'm not and gonna, i like I, davion I'm, i like davion everybody like I, yeah I, you know but it no, it, it would be interesting to see the Kings do something that maybe makes some more sense.
0: Yeah, I, I think letting go of I'm not, I, just, I will continue to say letting go of Halliburton was a mistake. Like I love the I loved his fit. I think he played more alongside. You could have got rid of Fox for that matter,
1: and had a whole new young backcourt of Halliburton and Mitchell. I guarantee you, you could not have gotten Sabonis if Halliburton wasn't included. I agree. I guarantee you that was the thing. I guarantee you that they offered the Aaron Fox and Indiana was like, uh, no. And then they were like, well, what about Halliburton? And Indiana was like, uh, hold on one sec, put it on mute, did a happy dance. And then and then we're like
0: and then say yeah
1: yeah I think we can figure something out Let, let's talk about it more uh, and, and people we gotta we gotta give to sabona some some love he's a really good player like he isn't a legit all-star caliber player he's a really good player it's just you already know Halliburton loves the community you know Halliburton wants to be a king for life and you know Halliburton's Probably your best long-term player there was committed to the and rebuild. It, it yeah.
0: I, I just, I won't see. I, I get where you're coming. I just, I can't come to grips with the fact that you let go of a player like that. And you're right. I mm-hmm. get where you're coming from. Maybe I guess my counterpoint to what you said, because you're right. I definitely don't see the the, the um pacer saying, "Oh yeah, sure." You know, Darren Fox instead of uh, Hubbard.
1: A massive contract, exactly. A box, no. and like, yeah, yeah. yeah, And again, that just means parsing over
0: the Kings' greater um, list of players they wanted, going over their greater philosophy. Because I'm like, is Demontis Abonis really the guy that you take? Like, is he that game changer? No, I think he needs to run with certain type of players in that way. Like, I don't think he's a sub from. I don't know. I'm not. That's another conversation for another day. Yeah, the point yeah. being, if <laughs> Demontis Abonis is your answer, I really want to know the question, and that is where we're here with the kings Well said thank you i appreciate that but now we, we move on we spent a little bit of time with the kings i'm so to.
1: sorry buddy i oh, am so wow. sorry brother, I said... <laughs> this, this next one is gonna as much as kings fans hearts have been broken you're about to hear Corbin's heart break a little um you might even hear you remember that simpsons episode where where ralph wiggum's heart like Bart pauses it at the exact moment where you can see Ralph Wiggins' heartbreak oh, no. when Lisa says, like, he doesn't want to, she doesn't want to be his Valentine. Yes. You, you might hear this in Corbin's voice because the next question <sighs> goes to uh, the Lakers. And how do the Lakers build around LeBron, AD, and Russ with almost no firsts, no desirable trade pieces, and no cap space? So.
0: <laughs> and I'm so
1: sorry, man. Virtual hug, virtual thank hug. Thank you. Buddy. I'm taking. I'm I'm holding it
0: tight because um it's funny. I was asking Eric Pinkus about this. I have been going crazy. I, I was asking Eric. I was like, Is it possible? Like, maybe get nicola Mirotic from the Euroleague or something like that. <laughs> like, like I like know. the creativity at least. Like, I I like the creativity. Thank you. Like thank you. And like, is it like is there a way like stuff can be done? to not have... Because he, he I, I'm i big Laker fan, obviously. Rob Palenka said that he's going to just, just totally reconstruct the Lakers roster, which was going to happen the minute that all those contracts were signed because all of them were to veteran minimum deals. The only problem with that is that due to your financial situation, you're just going to bring in a brand new crop of veteran minimum deals. But then Rob threw in this other wrinkle and said that we're going to get younger. And at that point, I go, how? And everyone I asked... Does has any, you know, sim- I, 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 we've talked about this. Like, anyone, like, how are the going to get better? It's always, well, you know, LeBron AD healthy. Let's see if you could trade Russ. Are you willing to part with that 2027 20, or 2029 20, first-round pick? No. Okay, well, you already have a cap on you. Um, Who are you going to bring alongside? Uh, hopefully, maybe a, a guy like an Otto Porter Jr. And I'm like, oh, my God, injury-ridden. I don't know. I like the player. Mm-hmm. But, uh. Or mm-hmm. Gary Clark. Oh, my God, just found a shooting back. Also injury-ridden. I don't know. And you bring in all these other players who in themselves while solid at one point in time are now questions concerning the lakers team that yes well Otto porter and um in this case uh gary i just said it clark gary clark thank you are i mean oh i didn't mean to say gary clark wow you meant gary payton i no i meant um i'm looking at it right now i meant um oh my gosh i'm blanking out on the name gary harris
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Gary Clark, shout out to Gary Clark,
1: also. I I, I would be shocked if Gary Harris doesn't maybe wind back up in Denver.
0: You know, I've heard a lot about that. Where there's smoke, there is fire, and that does make some sense for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, like, if you're looking at, like, who the Lakers bring, like, I just – there isn't, I mean, what, more two-way players? We're getting more and Gabriel types? You know what I mean? Hoping that uh, the Wizards don't pick up their um, guarantee on Contavious Caldwell-Pope and maybe bringing him back. Like, it does not look good. It, it just doesn't. Filling out the rest of the roster with um, veteran minimum after using their mid-level exception. Like, yes, great. We have um, a, a Laker, by the way, in Kendrick Nunn, who didn't play all last year. At, you know, let's see what he brings to the table. Like... <laughs> This is depressing, dude. Honestly, this is depressing to talk about. I don't even know.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: You have to roster. (laughs) I mean, you're going to be rostering 10 minimum players.
1: Basically.
0: Basically. At some point. I mean, at this point, I mean, you Mm -hmm. were already rostering 10. Now, I mean, you got a few other guys. You have LeBron, AD. You got Reeves. THT, Reeves, Stanley Johnson, and Gabriel. Yeah. And none. That's it. Yeah. Can we bring out Malik Monk? I like it, but based on what we saw on his Instagram, and I hate that I'm saying that. Probably not. It seems like he's probably going to get the money. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely going to get money. That was yep. the one off-season move the Lakers mm-hmm. actually nailed. You know, a guy who produced, who was young. The only problem is he couldn't be retained because we didn't give the middle of Had exception no to bird him. Rights. Yep. We gave we gave it to none. And I mean, on his head, based off the last year, I did it. But it's just, I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm having a conniption. Where's
1: still- <laughs> that? Josh, we're stuck. Uh, yeah, it, it's and it's it's a weird situation too because there's not a lot of clear avenues beyond like getting people to sign for minimums or or the taxpayer mid level because everyone, everyone and their mother, and, and yes, I'm sure there are Lakers mothers on Twitter and stuff who are who are saying this as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that. Um, uh, <laughs> for some reason thinks like, Oh, well we can move THT's contract, none and the 2027 first, and we'll get, you know, an impactful player. No, you won't. No, I'm just, I'm just saying it outright. Like, None ha- didn't play last year. None's got a background that some teams are going to shy away from in the first place. For good reason. Um, THT did not have a good year at, at that dollar amount that they signed him to. And you have to remember the 2027 first, even if you leave that completely unprotected, that is an 86% chance of not selecting first among current eighth graders. <laughs> It's not like it's not. We're in 2020. That's five years out. That's five years out. There. I'm sorry, Lakers fans, but that that pick is not as enticing as you think it is. No, it's
0: not. It it's really not. Isn't. Yeah.
1: So like this. Uh, uh, now that said, there are smart like ways you can approach this, and it's possible you do have LeBron AD and Russ. Like, like you do have guys there that can be really impactful. The trick is, can you build a really smart, inexpensive team that maximizes those guys?
0: That's the question. And I don't know, I don't trust our front office to do so. I trust our scouting department, or not our, I trust Lakers scouting department to to pick those players because they've done that already. You know, you look at the, the core of the AD trade was off of drafted players that the Lakers front office, you know, found. Whether that was Kuzma, you know, 27, you know, Alex Caruso, undrafted. Whatever the case may be, Austin Reeves here, undrafted. Yeah. Um, THT, I don't think he deserved the contract, but there was some intriguing value at one point in time with that. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at it, it's like, I don't know. You know, at one point in time, yes. You know, the the front office did a good job in terms of understanding, okay, this is where we can find an actual player. Now, when it comes to how to retain that player, when it comes to pieces around said player, when it comes to, okay, LeBron James, maybe not surround him with non-shooting ball handlers in his very first year. Then you stumble, as it looks now, into a winning blueprint where you say, okay, just shooters and defenders with a rim rolling all around, town. a AD around LeBron. Boom, that gets you a championship. So what do you do? Less defense, more offense. Bring Montrose Harrell and, and, and Dennis Schroeder. That doesn't do the results. Okay, so then you go, okay, injuries happen. Double down. All offense. No defense. Russell Westbrook. Negate some of the offense. Let's get it. And here we are. So do I trust Lakers have only self destructed in the years past. Like there's no reason I have any trust in their process, and this is why we're here now. But yeah, I I I'm am i am yeah, the answer your question, no, I don't I don't have faith. Um I'm gonna ask you a much simpler question so we can move on from there yeah. and, and get to the next <laughs> question. Can Lakers get themselves into this draft, Josh?
1: I mean, in theory, they can buy a a second round pick, right? Like it's possible. Like they have money, they have money. They can Mm -hmm. buy a second round pick if they want. I I don't know how much that really moves the needle. No, the, the thing with the Lakers is they're, they're a franchise that's always swung for the fences trying to hit home runs. Right. Yeah. What they need to do right now is just get on base with every single roster decision they make this offseason. They just have to get on base with every single one. If they can do that, they might have a chance. But that, as you know, that's really tough. (laughs) I do.
0: Yeah, it is. uh, It's like, I just, it's really tough. You said it. And that's what's frustrating because it's like, okay. If you don't do that, like, is a championship, it, can we even talk about championship? Like, is that even something I can form my lips to say with LeBron AD? And that's what's frustrating. I should be able to say that with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, I should be able to say that. And right now, I just don't see a way it's possible. So, we're just going to move on from more depressing things and get to number eight yeah. here. Sorry. or Yeah, number nine, actually. No, no problem. I, I mean, it hurts, but, you know, it had to happen. Um, the Pelicans, some of the Pelicans, they they did a lot better. I'm going to ask you uh, my question here Josh, can the, how can the Pelicans add more shooting to their budding roster? Uh, we can ex- expect uh, Zion Williamson to come to terms for an extension this offseason. You obviously have Brandon Ingram. We know C.J. McCullum deal with success just from early returns. You need to add more shooting, though we saw there's an issue. How can the Pelicans go about doing that?
1: Well, uh, the Pelicans can use the the Lakers pick to you know get mm-hmm. somebody who can help In that regard, uh, they'll be able to flesh out a couple more shooters in the rotation through free agency and everything the the main the main impact is going to be a full year of CJ, though, like people don't quite recall how good CJ actually is, especially as a shooter, Um, not just from three, but also one of the better mid range shooters in the league too. Um having a full year of CJ is going to be helpful in that regard, but they're still going to need to maybe factor shooting into that eighth pick and, and into what they do in free agency um, or, you know, really lean heavily into a lot of player development on, you know, guys like Herb Jones and, and some of the other uh, young players they have on their roster already to get them to a point where maybe they they provide some sort of a spacing threat.
0: So that, that actually comes into play. I like that. I do think that I I like the idea of outside talent more in this case, because you come with a guy with a proven rep of shooting, but I like, like you said, Hey, there's other options to do that as well. Um, With that, let's, let's get your question here for the Pelicans.
1: So, over the over his first three seasons, Zion has played a total of 85 games. Will Zion be healthy enough to actually help these Pelicans with CJ and Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones and Jonas Valanciunas actually secure a playoff spot and not have to be in the play-in next year?
0: That's an excellent question. Um, I am going to go and say yes. I think that Zion has just had not even a, a history of injury just like one bad one after another one weight related to kind of kick off everything with that foot the rehab off the foot um kind of reaggravating it and then just in just over like the way the Pelicans rebounded this way was kind of unexpected i guess you could say um even the trade for CJ i thought was misguided but i thought maybe the front office kind of saw hey he has my role if we fall apart, so let's let's make this trade and salvage while we mm-hmm. can, and it happened. And mm-hmm. It worked out one of the rare mm-hmm. moments where a front office sells out to save themselves and actually possibly do, at least for the moment. So now you're sitting pretty hopefully, thinking, okay, Zion is fully healthy, looks great. You know, and, and now we're going to off season of just maintaining, you know, that working with your new teammates. He's probably in a better spirit knowing, okay, we have a team now. You know, when I was first came here, like it was rough. And now we got some guys here, like they're on the rise. We're young, we look good. You know, CJ's here. I think that helps his spirits as well. You know, a little bit of money doesn't hurt either. You know, and I. It'd be a lot more than a little. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But with that all being said, no, I think that you, I think that is, that's a lot. I think that he comes in. I do think there might be, it's going to be something modern versus career. I mean, a guy like that, that playing style, the type of body he has, a lot to kind of work, a lot of force to play with. So I think that's something that constantly monitor. But with that being said, nah, I like it. I think I think I, th- I like his odds of staying mostly healthy.
1: I appreciate the optimism, and for Pelicans fans, I hope that is true. I wouldn't put money on it, just because I'm I'm a big believer in like prior history should be what we start from for predicting the future, and mm-hmm. that 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 injury history is a little concerning to me, but. Like you, I'm hopeful that he will play more next year because I think a healthy Zion is always good for the NBA, and I, I think with CJ and Herb now on the team, like that, that could be a really interesting team uh, if they get off to a good start.
0: Absolutely, I'm agree with you in the same way. They have a very uh, eclectic bunch. Uh, that somehow work together really well, and I think they can only grow. They're all young; they can get better. Uh, CJ being the one kind of old head there, and still being able to cook at his age—he's only thirty-two. I think it's gonna be fine. So yeah,
1: I'm with you yeah. there. <laughs> um, going to the Spurs. Yeah. So uh, yes, you first. Main question with the Spurs here is just, what are they really trying to be this upcoming season? Because like they're they're always kind of competitive they're always around the play in uh, uh, you know at least but what are they what are they really trying to accomplish here
0: i've tried to think about this like i've really tried to like settle in and, and wonder what the Spurs were going with and i'm no closer to understanding dispersed possible direction than I was. I mean, they have decisions to make for sure. I think if they were trying to push the full rebuild, I would try to look to trade maybe the Ajante Murray, you know, I would look to maybe looking at, um, Herr, like moving some of these guys that are in their prime, approaching their prime to fully reset, but they still have them. You have Lonnie Walker, restricted free agent. You know, I, I don't think they're bringing him back. He's had an uneven couple of years of San Antonio, not really moved the needle one way or the other. Uh, only been consistent in his inconsistency, so that's been a, a, a problem there. But at the same time, you don't have one guy, so, okay, this guy's going to be our leader. Um, in terms of best player, like, where does that put us? You know, right now, your best player is DeJounte Murray, arguably, and that puts you right where you've always been um, over the last four years, which is just kind of in the cusp of the play-in out of the playoffs 11th uh, selection in the draft. Not super great. And we haven't seen anything as of this moment right now that are recording to maybe think they're going to do anything different to change the path they've charted, which is to kind of continue to be in this area. So do they make a trade of their draft pick, package out the player, try to get a player that's more winning now? Not the Spurs way. It hasn't been something they've done traditionally. You know, Um what they have done, it seems like, is draft the player there who is going to be another team-connecting guy, you know, sinky talent or a young, bat on his upside type play, maybe, you know, a foreign talent um, bring out the same core, and run this back. And so I'm gonna say the Spurs do that again. I don't like that. I don't think that actually moves the needle. of anything, they might be lowered, not because they're a bad team, but just because if you look at teams that were, you know, unhealthy, mm-hmm. possibly being healthy, yep. you look at Los Angeles Clippers, you look at the Denver Nuggets, you look at if the Lakers have bounce back, maybe they're not as bad, but you look at teams on the rise. Memphis the Pelicans, Grizzlies, Pelicans, yeah, Timberwolves, yep. you know, yeah, like yep. these squads are all going to be up there and the Warriors aren't going anywhere. The Mavericks aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Those squads are already there as well. The Jazz might move down. The That's Suns potential. and the
1: Jazz, Yes. might slip a little bit. A little bit. But yep. they're not gonna fall out of the playoffs.
0: Exactly. So with all that being said, the Spurs just because of uh, I don't even want to say subtraction by I don't know. Subtraction by not doing anything. I don't know what the what the, what the word would be for that. Like they lose ground despite doing nothing. They lose yeah. ground because everyone around them got better. That's how they lose ground. And so for that I say they kind of keep the same path they've had.
1: Yeah. Uh I, I'm expecting that to be the case, and, and I'll let you ask your Spurs question before I mention something I think they might do that, mm-hmm. that could – I don't think it would necessarily move the needle a great deal, but it would kind of show what they're maybe trying to be. Okay. So I'm going to get that from you, but let
0: me ask you – I guess my question is the same kind of similar one for you. Uh, can the Spurs find the next centerpiece? Because we just haven't seen it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like, well, first off, like Kawhi and Giannis were taken with the 15th pick. Jokic was taken with the 41st pick. So it is possible. Is it likely? Probably not. But, you know, it is possible. However, I do think there's a way for them to get more competitive next season. Um, And they're one of the few teams that's actually going to have near max level cap space. DeJounte Murray is friends with Zach Levine. I don't know if Zach Levine necessarily would think San Antonio is a better fit for him than Chicago or another team but I could see them maybe going for a Zach Levine to pair with DeJounte Murray, Kelton Johnson, Devin Vassell, and Jakob Purtle.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I like that. I just, I guess, I mean, he would be on paper the best player off the top, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I get, mm, that's good. But then I guess it almost feels. That, that I, feel I kind almost of like Rose
1: into you? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But but, uh, I, but I mean, part part of it, it, part of the rumors at least around Levine right now, and I don't really believe them that much is that Levine kinda wants to go back to being the man. Uh because a lot of the fourth quarters he was watching Tamar do his thing. Um that would be ironic On the Spurs, he would be the man in that regard. Um and, and he does have the connection to DeJounte and, and and the Spurs have the money they could pay him. So like I think it's within the realm of possibility. I don't think it's likely and I, I think it would just put the Spurs back kind of somewhat to where they were with DeMar, but that's still a, you know, consistent lower, like uh seventh to 10th to uh, place finisher in the West. So like, I-, I could see them maybe doing that. And then yes, other teams have kind of passed them. They- they've lost some ground by not making ground, but if they added Levine, I think they would just be right back to where they normally are I in that pack mean. of, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, they'd be right back there. No, it makes sense. Uh, you scare money don't make none in that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you on that. I just, yeah, that's better than what they have now. I would rather take that option than just trying out the same group, especially if you have um, Greg Popovich against the helm, you know? Mm-hmm. Just the, the, the fadeaway in mediocrity as a coach in that way just doesn't sit right with me at all. So with you for that, for sure. But, okay, yeah, now um, we are moving on to
1: the Wizards. Mm-hmm. I feel like you had something you wanted to share. Uh, no, I, I was kind of, uh, we talked about that possible King's trade no, idea yes. with the Wizards. That, that will probably come into play in, in my answer to the question that you have.
0: Okay, oh, for the next question here? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's I mean, without further ado. Let's not keep the listeners waiting. Where is the Wizards' next long-term backcourt partner for Bradley Beal? This is presuming that Beal does not turn down the money to go team up with Ginoli. He Dave will Willard, not turn down the money. As I've heard. Yeah, exactly. It's presuming <laughs> yeah, yeah. that he will stick around, um which I don't know about you, Josh. That seems to make sense to me. Um, So that being said, you're the Wizards. You've gone through, you know, the point guard potpourri uh year before alongside trotting out um, Spencer Dinwiddie. Before that year, you had the ever electric Russell Westbrook experience. And before that, you had a potpourri of point guards again. Uh, mm-hmm. Before the year before that, we had John Wall. So that's four years and like 13 point guards and a uh, combined maybe 500 record. So with all of that being said, Josh, where is that player?
1: Yeah, so I, I did outline a potential way that they could get uh somebody like a Jaden Ivy by, mm. by making that trade with the Kings. Um I, I do think it's unlikely for them to secure a backcourt a starting backcourt partner f- for Bradley Beal in free agency. They they don't really have much they can offer. Um they definitely don't have enough to entice tyus jones away from the grizzlies they definitely don't have enough for jalen brunson um then you're getting into guys like daylon Wright, who who you know could help but but like you know it it probably isn't what you're looking for there necessarily Mm -hmm. um the only kind of potential free agent that I think might be interesting here and you have to factor in that Bradley Beal's probably going to spend more time on ball than off is maybe going hard at somebody like Gary Payton Jr. Interesting. Because I, it then you add, it? You, you add a a, a strong defender you you don't necessarily need somebody who's running the offense and stuff. Bradley Beal's gonna have you know the ball in his hands a lot. That's if you're going free agency. I also think the best route for them is through trade. Whether that's trying to get you know the Kings' fourth pick and going for somebody like Jaden Ivey, and you're trying to go that long-term route, or you talk to Denver. Uh, Denver has a, a big lack of perimeter defense, um, and Denver also, with Jamal Murray coming back, has some uh, some degree of depth when it comes to point guard. Uh, Bones Highland had a had a really good rookie year. I, they feel like he can play some more backup point guard minutes. So if Murray's healthy, Monty Morris and his larger contract might be. Potential trade value, um, so maybe if you're Washington, you reach out to Denver and you offer Denny Advia and Contavious Caldwell Pope for Monty Morris and Will Barton.
0: I do like that. Mm, I do like that because then I guess you get that more, and it looks like the the Nuggets might be trying to make a cash saving move you know we've heard a little bit of, I know Duncan was just recently talking about that like in regards to you know they got some guys who make some money and maybe would be a casualty it, of that but would also be a nice fit as a guy who could help his own team we saw him do it much of this past year in Denver with the absence of Jamal Murray and yeah I think I like that fit alongside Bradley Bill especially because he doesn't need the ball per uh-huh. se he can play Almost like they expected Spencer Dinwiddie to play, shoot the mm-hmm. three solidly off the ball, create some offense as well, but not be relied upon to do so. Yeah, the more I think about that, I like that one the best.
1: And like never turn it over. <laughs> Which is something um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the I yeah, I live in Denver. So uh Jokic <laughs> is my favorite active player. I would love to see them add some perimeter defense and Contavius Caldwell Pope and Denny Advia. Um, And for the Wizards, not only would you be adding Monty Morris, but Will Barton can serve as a backup point guard as well and can play, you know, backing up Beal or play alongside Beal for stretches, too. So, like, the Wizards' big weakness right now is kind of on-ball playmakers uh, outside of Bradley Beal, and the Nuggets' big weakness right now is perimeter defense, and maybe maybe there's a happy trade marriage there i like
0: it it's possible it's in play it's in play both teams get what they want both sides win like you said that's kind of the goal of a trade at least for both teams to think that they have won that trade um no team would willingly say okay we're gonna take that out in a trade so i definitely like where you come from with that um and agree with you there and i think that leads us right on to the Knicks. let's go right on without question yep. we have gotten a length of a show for y'all hope y'all enjoying this oh but- yeah for the Knicks, who is the next Knicks point guard? I didn't realize how player specific I had my questions until looking <laughs> back on
1: this. To, to be fair, like the the Wizards, of the Knicks, it's pretty clear positional thing yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah,
0: I didn't waste any time apparently in trying to identify. Okay, question mark? Where they do here? <laughs> hey, mm. that's gonna enlighten me next year. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, let's
1: get your announce on that for the that's, Knicks. The answer is likely Emmanuel quickly. Like they don't have the cap space to pay Jalen Brunson. They don't have the cap space to t- pay Tyus Jones. They'd have to engage in sign and trades on both of those guys. And if you're Dallas or Memphis, why would you agree to that without getting somebody like Obi Toppin or RJ Barrett in return?
0: Good point. I mean, you, you would. Yeah. Does not I mean that's again, if you're looking for value, looking again to win the trade. Why would you give up one without getting anything that you consider back in this way? Yeah, I agree. Hundred percent. Um Wow, well, I guess to answer this question, my, my my joke of an answer, but also I think maybe the Knicks pursue one in the back end. Maybe it's Dyson Daniels. Um I was really Very really high possible. on Ty Ty Washington, but I realize now he's kind of slipping the back. I still like what he brings to the table. More than likely I agree. It would be Emmanuel Quickly, but I also think uh, just to diversify the answer, I like Tytai Washington if he is still available there for the Knicks to select.
1: Also, CAA loves Kentucky players. Mm, some more love to Tytai. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love it. There we go. Yep. <laughs> All right, your so, next question, sir. Uh, my next question is: Can the Knicks back like bounce back to their their previous year's success? While focusing more on their younger players' development, because they have some interesting young players. They have quickly Barrett, Obi Toppin, uh, like Mitchell Robinson, who's going to be a free agent. He's still just 24. Like, they have some young players who are very interesting, but fibs doesn't really play youngsters big minutes. Some of them, uh, like RJ has an avenue to time, quickly has an avenue to time. Obi's kind of stuck playing behind. Julius Randle, um, how, how can they maybe bounce back and get back to some more playoff level success while also developing those younger guys?
0: That, if I had the answer for that question, I think the one thing that the hope is that, and we just haven't seen the evidence to this, that Coach Thibodeau learns how to, you know, just thoughtfully cultivate the young group while managing to continue, you know, with the play of the senior guard and meld them in a way that you get the youth movement, get their men, especially these guys who are going to uh, eventually be successors in, in theory of, you know, your um, Julius Randles and guys of that ilk, while also empowering R.J. Barrett to step up and be more the player that he needs to be, that Knicks fans seem to be. I don't see that at all. In Tom Thibodeau. I don't see that at all. The front office and, and coach at times seemed at odds with each other in terms of you know the trade for Cam Reddish for him to sit on the pine mm-hmm. for two and a half weeks despite maybe there being a role for him despite injury being there before he actually gets a shot and even then it's not really an empowering time that like we need a body on the floor. So in this current iteration, I think the answer is I don't see it at all. I don't think it mm-hmm. happens and I think that results in Thibodeau ultimately parting ways in New York um unless they go this wildly successful season while Julius Randle was a throwback 2021 year you know and even all that did was like late half of, late late block of the eastern conference you know but mm-hmm. that's what i see i just I, I think it's a lot for a coach who has not shown that any of his previous stops that this is what he does i mean last time he played a young player just wolf i guess if and, and, andrew wiggins and carlton towns were just kind of no-brainers in minnesota Derek Rose was you a no brainer in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, so you can't really point anytime time that he did kind of empower these younger guys, you know. Tips the Tibbs guy. There's a reason Taj Gibson's still in the NBA, you know. Um, and I like Taj, but I'm just saying. So yeah, that, that, that's that's my answer is Glamazon maybe.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you.
0: Definitely. <laughs> All right, so now we are moving on. Almost there. We are now three teams away. The Clippers. There's a question that, looking back, I think is laughable because maybe they don't even need to answer it. But, Josh, (laughs) can the Clippers continue to shore their point guard depth?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they have Reggie. Um, They also have a lot of wings who are capable uh, when healthy. Let yeah. me throw that heavy caveat in there <laughs> when healthy, they have a lot of wings who can at least bring the ball up and, and initiate the offense. Even if you wouldn't necessarily consider them an NBA starting point guard type, like Terrence Mann can do that. Um, Amir coffee even did that a little bit. Uh, Paul George Kawhi, obviously, if either of them are healthy and play more games, like it's not that big of an issue. Um, also, you know, they're really high on Jason Preston. Uh, he, he missed uh, basically all of his rookie season, but uh, I know that they, they think very fondly of him. Mm. Um, and and it's very easy for them for like a vet men to get somebody like maybe a Javon Carter, you know, uh, to be kind of like that second, third point guard when they need a point guard specifically, I think they'll be fine enough there. Would it would it be considered a strength of theirs? Probably not. But like, I, I think they'll be okay at point guard. Okay, that's fair.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I I'm with you too. I, I when I put it out there, I think it was coming off the heels of, you know, the Clippers not having Kawhi Leonard, not having Paul George, just having Reggie Jackson, having to force Terrence Mann, who's not a point guard on the point guard duty, and then subsequently falling apart, you know, in the play the playing game. Um so maybe my thoughts were just by this drastic event that isn't likely to replicate itself. But
1: um yeah, with that Or uh uh-huh. is it? <laughs> I like though you my, cut my, me off. My, my, question, like, uh-huh. my question is Will Kawhi and oh, Paul George actually play 41 or more games this year? I like- because the last four seasons, Kawhi's only, uh has only played more than 60 games in one of them. And in the last three seasons, Paul George has not played more than 54 games in a single one. So it's not, the point guard thing is not an issue if Paul George or and Kawhi are healthy, but recent history suggests that that is unlikely.
0: That's interesting. I agree. I agree. It's interesting. The question, the premise of it is like, okay, Paul George and Kawhi, you know, fully in their early thirties, 30, I think 32 for Kawhi coming up 33 for PG, both had nagging injuries over the last couple of years, kind of surrounded by bigger injuries to both, uh, more traumatic injuries as well in their career um wings i'm gonna say i'm gonna say yes i'm gonna say yes because i think that both they're coming off the heels of a season where both missed the majority of their games now does that mean that they're due for a bounce back no but i think that they will kind of carefully cultivate I think they'll carefully cultivate their 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 time they take off learning when to play when not to play sitting out back-to-backs things of that nature Mm -hmm. I think we see both teams clear 45 I'd say between 45 and 50 I may not go more than that don't think I wouldn't bet money that they're going to do 60 games I would Mm -hmm. say between 45 and 50 games is kind of my benchmark for where I see them fall
1: okay I I think I think I'd feel comfortable with Maybe betting that at least one of them will play 41 or more games. I don't know if I would bet money on both of them playing 41 or more games this season, just given them, like, again, Kawhi last four seasons, Paul George the last three seasons. Um, But I, I, I do think we'll see them on the court more than we have this past season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that alone should help the Clippers not necessarily have to be in the play in and not necessarily have to rely on Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann to bring the ball up against pressure.
0: Okay. So just enough that they are clear of putting players who aren't built for that in that position.
1: Yeah, and, and here's hoping that both of them are actually healthy come playoff time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because
1: it would be nice to see a full, uh, well, a healthy. I, I I don't know if I'd ever expect a full health Clippers <laughs> team, but a healthy Clippers team in the playoffs would be very interesting to see, I think.
0: I agree. I, I don't know. I think this is their best chance. I mean, the team's only getting stronger. These guys are only getting older. You know, I think the Kawhi's game will definitely kind of hold up although I mean, Paul George game is silky smooth. He's a great shooter, too. Both these guys are going to be fine. But, like, in terms of them being, like, the key components of a oh, team, like, okay, they're going to lead you to a championship. As they age, I don't know if that's a thing. You know what I mean? I think they both can kind of recede into being secondary players. And if they're going to recede to that, then they already are. That's just my thought. And maybe I'm doing a horrible job projecting where these guys may be. But, again, injuries have already taken out so much time. That's hard to even put an evaluation point on what we've seen. This isn't 2019 Kawhi. Yep. This isn't 2018 Paul George. You know, mm-hmm. when these guys were seemingly, well, 2017 Kawhi, had the his powers. Nah, I like 2019 Kawhi. Jump shot a little better. <laughs> yeah, I said it right the first time. Isn't 2019 Kawhi? Isn't 2018 PG? We haven't actually seen full health seasons from any mm-hmm. of them in going on two years now. So, it's gonna be curious to see. Now, we know those guys are still very good players. There's no doubt of that in our mind. But when they come on the court, are they gonna be like, okay, you know, hatch, Latch the team on the back. Let's do it. If you're only mm-hmm. getting 43 games a year out of them, you're probably going to end up where you were, where you end up soaring the playing spot. You might be dangerous, but let's hope one of those guys are available for the actual playing game because you don't want to have one battered up and one on the bench going mm-hmm. up against a desperate Memphis team or Minnesota team or whichever team happens to find themselves down there. Come playoffs awesome. in. What helped me the Lakers? Um, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, I, no, I, no, I, I, I don't want to see that. I, I, it hit mm-hmm. me. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, why am I moving the Lakers if they aren't about that? <laughs> mm-hmm. right, we are almost there, two teams away. I yep. think it is your turn for the first question.
1: Yep. So the Cleveland Cavaliers took a big leap this past season. How will they build upon that leap this upcoming season?
0: Well, it all starts with acquiring a center. You know, um, well, no, my fault. It all starts with acquiring a coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, after yeah. Uh, Kenny Atkinson, I mean, you know, he saw. He oh, saw, we're talking about the Cavs still. Oh, my fault, my fault. I'm looking. No, at, you're good. Wait, Hornets are next. Oh, yes. I flipped them. I flipped them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh man. Well, for the Cavs, okay, then it really does come with a position. It's my question. They definitely so have it's a good funny. coach. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> the calves have a good coach. I like. I, I didn't like the front office starting out. I do like it better now. It all starts with their wing help. Like, where are they getting there? Is Cass the virtue answer there? Um. You know, are you going to retain um, Colin Sexton? That's uh, so a thought to your, your swing man, that two guard, three guard spot is really the one hole you want to fix. You got your big men lineup done. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen done. Point guard, Darius Garland has it unlocked. So now it's the two and the three. Isaac Okoro is just not good enough offensively to separate himself from the pack. You can keep him there. I think Lamar Stevens in that same boat. Defensive-minded guys who put on, you know, players for possessions at a time, chunks at a time with enough offense around them. But they're not that guy just to rely on. Karis LeVert, kind of a wild card. Likes to do his own thing. Not good enough shooter to be an ancillary player in that effect. But holds on the ball a little too much maybe to work alongside Darius Garland full-time, right? But he has good size, you know? A little bit of playmaking ability that's intriguing. And the fact, that the regular zone shot, which is a rarity outside of Darius Garland. We saw that a little bit in their playing game, you know, where these guys were not able to manufacture reliable offense for themselves when they really needed to. Con Sexton would be a shot in the arm there, but do you put out the money to retain him there? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to worry about that two-guard, three-guard unit and try to figure out what is the best course of action to solidify that. And from there, you can move forward. Um, but that is, I think, the, the big way to continue development. Because as of right now, you have three linchpins in Garland, mm-hmm. Mobley, and Allen, who are good, who are young, and are only going to get better. And that's to make it a really good squad. So let's shore it up and continue riding the wave. Yep.
1: I, I, I smirked a little bit when you were describing Lavert's game because mm-hmm. Colin Sexton is that, but shorter.
0: There you go. <laughs> there you go. So like, there you go. yeah. You're right.
1: So it's. Uh, I agree with you that I think like the key, even more so than any necessarily a a positional thing, is just getting more half-court shot creation support for Darius. Because at the moment, there's a massive bottleneck for the Cavs' half-court offense. If you can make Darius Garland's life difficult, you can have – a massive impact on their half court offense as an opponent. So they need to find whomever it is, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, uh, at the two, at the three, et cetera, uh, they need to find somebody who can help Darius create looks in the half court.
0: I like that. Yeah. Real, and, and not doing the way they hijacked the team's offense. And the fact that you said about Colin. Yeah. Sexton, great point. Great point. <laughs> I didn't even see it. If you're just getting a younger, smaller version of Karras, maybe that's not the direction you want to go. And I love Karras. Oh
1: yeah. yeah. What was your Cavs question? Well, I mean, it was, again, I was really
0: sp- like on the money spot on with some of these. Um, it was, <laughs> can the Cavs, can we get the Cavs to wing help, please? Uh, again, just eye on the, the pressing question. Finger on the pulse of what's yep. really happening here, Josh. But that's that's really it. I think that it was a glaring need. We saw that down the stretch as the catch battling injuries. Even to the big men, you could still see it when you're playing Larry Markin at the three. You know what I mean? Yeah. We saw it in the playing game. We saw it when they were making moves to acquire Karis Lavert when Ricky Ruby went down. where you needed some additional scoring, some playmaking, the best available guy that you could trade for at the time was carrots avert that matched both of that, even if he didn't do it perfectly in either area, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is the big issue. Um, This is where they need to focus on for sure. And hopefully that they 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 can uh, address that whether it is a guy like a Malachi Branham you know in the draft or um a guy of that ilk or if they do go in free agency I would not recommend free agency for what they're looking for. Um, just looks a little dicey. If you had seen Josh's face when I said that, <laughs> it was the definition of "ooh, this looks like dicey," uh, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it might be more toward the draft, and if it is someone of that of that of that ilk, I would like that. I see Malachi Branham because he does fit size, some playmaking potential, can score in the mid range. Good enough shooter. You know what I mean? Could grow a little bit more on that end, but it's someone who could fit in a spot of need directly. So that's where I
1: would go with that. But yeah. Yeah. We we saw the issue. Yeah. It's it's a pretty clear one. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think their best chance at filling that is at fourteen in the draft. Um is that gonna move the needle enough for them to make another leap next year? And therein lies the question. That that that's where, you know maybe they can get something in a sign and trade for Colin Sexton um uh, maybe they can at least back up Darius a little bit maybe they can bring Ricky back uh, on a vet deal um you know if if Ricky's you know healthy again mm-hmm. but they they really need to figure out that other shot creator in the half court offense in the starting lineup with uh, Darius, and while Levert and Sexton can get themselves shots, they don't really get teammate shots.
0: Yes, there you go. There you go. And that's that's something that you also need to nail in your, in your quest of building a, a contending playoff team. And I think we're seeing the Cavs, you know, approaching that status. Yep. All right. We are now on our last one. Wow. And, again, I hit you with the direct – team need question that wow i, I, <laughs> I look, had yours? the exact same question I'm, I'm for glad. them too yeah okay so we can just nail it together which yep, is, just
1: the, the same question yeah.
0: how will the hornets get their starting center um how they acquire it i'm glad that we end with the same one here it makes perfect sense um that's honestly a big need for them if we had known the events that were going to happen with the dismissal of james borrego and the hiring and change of mind of coach kenny mm-hmm. atkinson then I think we might have a little diversification of our questions, maybe more geared toward yeah. coaching, front mm-hmm. office, and we can add on to that if we'd like. But immediately, I think we center is a need. You know, right now mm-hmm. we've had the Hornets trot out a, a steady assemblage of Zellers and Plumleys and they've had middling success. And so maybe it's time for a change. And I think that the player they should go after is going to be either Jalen Duran or Mark Williams, preferably you hope that Jalen Duran falls because of his youth and upside. The dude is an Adonis, feel like a 25 year old, only 18 able to finish above the rim with ease, you know, um, good defender, not a whole lot you're getting outside of that, but he is someone who's shown some intriguing flashing ability of passing. Um, you know, some nice feel in that way, and he's only 18, so that can grow. And then you're also looking at someone who's jump shot, not great at all. Um, but the fact that he's willing to take it, maybe you're fine a little bit and make it stretch out to mid-range, maybe can be a threat in time. But right now, all you need is a guy who can be a deterrent at the rim, you know, at the point of attack for a defense, um, and someone who can go and finish and give that vertical spacing that would team up with Lamella ball amazingly. But Johnson Mark Williams, who a little bit older i'm um, 20 you know gonna stick he's not taking mid-range jump shots he's not you know going to be doing a whole lot of high level passing or even pretending to do so what he is going to do is do exactly what you're looking for in terms of defending and finishing on the brim and he has like a seven like a nine inch standing reach or something jump reach it's his 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 length i'm i'm going the nine foot nine foot i'm going, I'm going <laughs> said nine inch. i said nine inch that's, that's that's really, that's really not, not the greatest not great. Danny He's going he to take, take that, Josh. He's going to take that, and it's going to be balls off the bottom of the net every day, I tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Listen, we're, I'm punching him. We've been going on almost two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> let's give it to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, well, like, so I, I do fully expect them to take either Duran or Mark Williams with one of their picks, assuming either of them are available. I do think that's kind of what they're going to do in the draft. I am loath to expect rookie bigs to have a legit defensive impact in their rookie year. People like Tim Duncan and Evan Mobley do not happen very often. You do not get rookie all defensive type impacts. It doesn't happen very often, especially for bigs. So I, I think that's their goal for the backup big spot. I think for the starter, they're going whole focused on free agency. And I think primarily they're probably going to try to go for Aiton in the sign and trade. But if I'm Phoenix, I only really want Bridges back in, in that deal. And and if you're, you know, bringing in Aiton but losing Bridges, did you really move that far? Did, did you really leap that far? And, and if you're Phoenix, are you interested in Gordon Hayward uh and, and maybe uh like some picks? Does that really move the needle for you in a mm-hmm. um eight and sign and trade when you're probably going to have several teams try to engage you on a an eight and sign and trade? Not really. I don't know. Yeah. So I think uh so there's actually 4 24-year-old center uh, free agents this this offseason that I think are all interesting that could fit with what Charlotte needs, which is rim protection and rebounding. Mm-hmm. And so, beyond the obvious Aiton, there's New York's Mitchell Robinson. Ooh. There's uh, um, the Clippers' Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah. And then there's Orlando's Mobamba. So the there are there are three other 24-year-old free agent centers who would provide some rim protection, would be a lot cheaper than Aiton, and you'd still be able to bring Bridges back and not have to use them in a sign-and-trade and stuff. Um, so given that uh, Mike D'Antoni's agent is probably very, very happy right now because he can ask for a lot more for D'Antoni. after oh, the, stuff, <laughs> can, the price has just gone yeah, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Funny, guys. My, my guy, he, he's only willing to do it for a well, lot higher than, price now. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I, I think the most interesting one to me, and I'm a big Isaiah design fan, and I, I want to see him get a chance to be a starting center somewhere, but I, I think... If you're the Hornets, I would focus more on signing somebody like Mitchell Robinson, especially if you get Dantoni as your coach and you have LaMelo Ball, Bridges, uh, Book Knight, and uh, like PJ Washington and uh, Mitchell Robinson running the court. Like that, that would be super fun. Um, Super exciting team, and Mitchell Robinson is a shot-blocking menace that that is definitely going to help with their rim defense issues. Uh, also, a pretty good uh, rebounder. Uh, only 24, uh, fits the timeline, and, and you know when you also have you know Duran or Mark Williams with your your draft picks. You you can have a full 48 minutes of young, rim-protecting, fast-break dunk monsters (laughs) at the center position, Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think that that, that's where I would go with them. I think they're going to try to push really hard for an eight-and-sign-and-trade, though.
0: I would like that. I think Aiden would flourish in a role like that. Um, you get a similar passing, not quite on the same level, of course, over Chris Paul, but the same type of looking for the big, you know, high-level feel in that way, albeit a decade younger, able to grow with you, and also you get more empowered on the offensive and to do stuff that obviously you feel like you can do that you weren't able to do in Phoenix. And to a lesser extent, I think some of it wasn't on Phoenix's fault. No need to relitigate it, but I think that, you know, Brandon um, – you, not Brandon, wow – you had, of course – Um, Chris Paul. You of course have Devin Booker. Devin Booker first, then Chris Paul. But then it seemed like maybe it was a little Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, and then it was us turn DeAndre Ayton. And obviously, that would cause some feel some feelings for a guy who obviously consider, consider himself a max level player obviously someone's going to get the max whether or not you think he is or whatever the case may be you know that's going to come and so yeah i think a shot's the best way of him to do that in a way that yeah he's not gonna be the contender that phoenix was but i think it'll also be a team that could potentially win given the right you know situation of, of catching fire in terms of you know miles bridges stepping onto the level um having Aiden, and of course step up another level of course looking at Lamelo Ball to step on another level, seeing how the defense comes together with whoever coaches at the helm, or if it's going to be Mike D'Antoni, supercharge the offense to a point where defense is optional because offense is so dang good. <laughs> so that is that is where I'm at on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but that is the, now the one thing I'm truly rooting for.
1: Yeah, I'm. 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 The only concern I have about Aiton, uh in Charlotte is it's mm-hmm. going to cost Charlotte a chunk most likely like miles bridges in a sign and trade back to phoenix um now it's possible that they're just like hey phoenix we'll give you a whole bunch of picks and phoenix is like okay that's possible (laughs) but if you're phoenix right now with chris paul devin booker mikhail bridges cam johnson jay crowder and everybody
0: is that are you are you
1: are you doing picks Or you're like, no, we need somebody who's coming in right now and we're going back to the conference finals at the very least.
0: With Chris Paul at the helm, you have to expect nothing less.
1: Exactly. So
0: last year before his down guarantee is not a thing you have to consider.
1: Yep. So it'll be interesting. But I think Charlotte, if they get that rim protection element cemented in and they get, you know, a coach – uh, I think they're they're a team that can actually make a pretty big leap in the East, um, assuming they keep bridges and they add that rim protection for 48 minutes. I think they can actually make a nice little mini leap. All
0: right. Well, there. I mean, that's what I'm hoping too. We'll see what happens. I can't wait to then, you know, follow up literally just two weeks time. which just how truncated, thank goodness, that the NBA offseason kind of is. You know, we are able to look back and at least project. Mm-hmm. you know once what once the end, middle of july comes before summer league yeah. july 6th or generally july 7th before that day comes about four or five days before that we already know most of what we're looking for yep. that's exciting um and i can't wait to see that happen so yeah looking forward to that but man this has been a mammoth marathon show, Josh. Mm-hmm. We went deep <laughs> onto all the lottery teams. We were already yep. we were already tired when we started. We both shared that. Uh, I I don't think it changed, but I know for me, I wouldn't change it for a thing. I appreciate being able to glean odds from you and ch- and just talk ball and exchange ideas. Man, it's always a blast.
1: Always a pleasure chatting with you, my friend. Uh, it, it always makes for a fun. Uh, end to the day so i appreciate you whenever you uh allow me to come on to your podcast absolutely man you know we got plenty more coming up down
0: the pipeline obviously so a lot of excitement there for sure but listen y'all make sure please you are not doing yourself a favor if you are not following josh on twitter make sure to do so at two red j earl Check out contextual scouting while you're at it, or your, not, hoops career. your hoops career. Thank you, Dot caught com. me there. Yep. Okay, check that out because your boy is forgetting here. Uh, check it out. There's a <laughs> lot of good stuff there. I appreciate that. I love that phrase. But anyway, like, <laughs> check it out, y'all. It's a lot of good stuff there. Learning from literally one of the great minds here, as you see, I do every time I have him on the show. Please make sure to do that. You can follow me on Twitter, much less illuminating, but still nonetheless entertaining. At Corbin NBA. <laughs> Make sure to do that. Any hot takes, Uh, no Russell Westbrook career projection tweets this year. I said he was going to shoot 36% from three last year. Uh He shot 29%. So, yeah, we're not doing that again. Thank you, Josh, for that. Not going to happen again. Um, uh, But make sure to check me out there as well. Definitely would appreciate it. Um, Listen, it has been a blast. You will catch me here real soon. We are scoring a draft. By the time you hear this, tomorrow is draft day. We'll have draft recap coverage. You can bet your bottom dollar. We'll have Josh back on here again soon to recap. Hopefully some of that action as well. Um, but until next time, y'all for Josh and myself, we are frosty. Y'all stay frosty and I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. Bye. This has been a sports ethos presentation.